Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony All right, welcome to the Mainstream Maps Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be getting into what is the Dallas Mavericks record going to be for the 2023-24 NBA season. Starting off with our slew of um, just complete impromptu offseason content uh, that, you know, none of it is based on anything that has actually been reported or anything... Uh, that is actually relevant. Uh, just a lot of stuff of basically us revisiting the past uh, or predicting the future. Um, Jaron, are you excited for this August dry month period of NBA content? And you know, given that we've already had two pretty dry weeks ever since free agency uh, sort of you know came to uh, a downwind, and everybody is just waiting on Damian Lillard to make his decision here. Yeah, I mean, we had a actual pretty big announcement in terms of the Damian Lillard boat today, uh, where Shams reported the reported package of what would be needed uh, to get Damian Lillard in Miami. But uh, to qu- or to answer your question, I'm honestly pretty excited because we have FIBA coming up and we're you know going to see Luca and, of course, Team USA play uh, in that tournament. So I think for that, I, I am excited. I believe it starts August 14th or 16th, somewhere around there. Um, and for that reason alone, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, in the dryness of Sahara or of the Sahara Desert, in terms of NBA, uh, what looks to be NBA rumors, there seems to be absolutely nothing. So I'm not looking forward to that. Um, but who knows? Maybe in the month of August, we see a Damian Lillard blockbuster trade to the Miami Heat eventually come into formation. But in the meantime, I'm looking forward to FIBA, and I think that's the only reason why I'm excited for August basketball. Yeah, uh, especially as we ramp up towards Media Day, August always goes faster than. I think a lot of NBA fans give it credit for. Um, But Jaron and I are going to take this as an opportunity to catalyze our creativity on this podcast and give you guys some content that we haven't really uh, done before or ventured towards, um, just given the lack of stuff that's happening. But to Jaron's point, we will have full coverage of all of Slovenia's World Cup qualifier games, you know, as well as the uh, actual tournament games. Um, So long as Luca is playing everything that is relevant you know, via him is is extremely relevant to the Mavericks, given his position in the organization. I think that goes without saying. But nonetheless, you know, we are excited um, to to kick off this month with you guys um, and to to get into, you know, just a slew of different things. And and who knows, you know, there, there could be some, you know, major NBA trades that come into fruition, you know, once this Lillard saga uh, comes to its formative end. Um, you know, a lot of teams that initially – may have not wanted to trade for X player or didn't want to exert, um, you know, X asset in a trade, may be willing to do so, um, you know, when, once they see the Heat's roster or when other certain chips across the league, you know, become available. There's a lot of teams, you know, restricted free agents and trades um, that are, I think, waiting for that to happen. So we will have up-to-date coverage on all of that stuff as it comes out, of course, along with our uh, regular off-season content that we'll be bolstering out here. Um, but today we are specifically going to be talking about what the Mavericks record is, of course, as I said earlier in the podcast and, you know, get into the betting odds surrounding that and, you know, talk about 
how that could change, you know, if the Mavericks are able to get in on some of these offseason trades or uh, make some moves before training camp is set here in uh, the end of September, I believe. But before we do that, here is an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. All right, Jaron. So getting into what the Mavericks record is going to be this year, I think a lot of people would definitely predicate it at or predicate the Mavericks record for this upcoming season upon what they have to do, you know, remaining in the offseason. You know, if they're able to potentially get another wing uh or even a guard um at that remaining, you know, six million or whatever that they have left with their mid-level exception, or if they're potentially able to get into the Clint Capella sweepstakes if there's a sort of fallout there after the Damian Lillard trade and you know guys just start getting moved off the board say Siakam gets moved and you know the the Hawks need a third suitor and the Mavericks are able to take on Clint Capella or potentially another starting center but as of right now um it, it seems kind of thin in terms of the the moves that the Mavericks have the wherewithal to make if we're going into this upcoming season with this current roster what do you think the Mavericks record is? And then what would your justification for that be? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, you look at the active standings, I guess, or standing predictions rather uh, for the Western Conference. And you see a, a lot of teams that have the potential to make it. And there's still, you know, we we came up with this last year where there was going to be a single team that wasn't going to make the play in at all. Uh, and that, of course, was the Dallas Mavericks. So I, I think, you know, we fall into a similar situation like that with this year. I think that there's a lot of buyers and not a lot of sellers. Uh, and there could potentially be 12, uh, you know, 11, 12 teams that, you know, are looking for a playoff spot. And of course, one of those teams isn't going to be uh, even in the play in front rather. So, you know, I, if I'm going to backtrack here uh, and this is me honestly being kind of optimistic, I see the Mavericks being an eighth or a seventh seed. Uh, and probably winning more games than they did last season, uh, but not mu- not many more. I think that they probably have a 500 to maybe a little bit above 500 in that 43, um, possibly 44 win range. I, I think is kind of realistic. Now, as you you know, as you said, uh, if the Mavericks do get that starting center or potentially another wing, you know that that could change quite a bit. But as it looks right now in the West, especially um, as I mentioned, you know, there's a lot of buyers. There's not a lot of sellers. Uh, the Mavericks are on the deeper end in terms of teams that are looking to compete uh, in the high spots of the playoffs. And I, I just don't see a world in which the Mavericks could potentially be that four seed with that current roster that they have right now. And that that's honestly my justification. I might get a lot of hate for that. I understand that the Mavericks have had an amazing offseason uh, in which they could potentially add a starting center. And this would be an A++ offseason. Uh, but as it stands right now, like I said, I, I really do think that the Mavericks are an eighth or a seventh seed look uh, out of that play in tournament. And at best, I think it's a 44, 45 win team. Yeah. I, I, w- I would push back a little bit. I, I think that this team obviously, you know, could reach uh, a different type of ceiling than we may expect if they're able to hit on a variety of different markers that I think a lot of people, you know, within the fan base, as well as the organization are skeptical about them hitting. I think a lot of that's going to hinge on the young players specifically. And that's not to say that they have um, some insurmountable sort of pressure going into this season. I I don't think that the whole season, I I don't think the narrative rather going into the season needs to be predicated upon, you know, the young players and, you know, them being able to boost the Mavericks, you know, ability to win a championship. But, but, you know, the, the facts are blatant at the end of the day. With the Mavericks' current roster, um, 
if they are to be in that title contention territory, then, you know, Olivier Maxence Prosper, Derek Lively, guys like that are going to have to be, you know, either day one, you know, in, in Lively's case, probably a day one starter. In uh, Prosper's case, you know, obviously a very serviceable wing off the bench that, you know, showcases a sort of Jaden McDaniels type skill set and, you know, could be a guy that's plugged and played in certain lineups, um, you know, can start at times. You know, those two things, I think, would have to happen for the Mavericks to, you know, definitively be entitled contention territory because with Lively's uh, probably volatility and uh, his spottiness that, you know, we're going to see going into his rookie season, just, you know, given that he's a rookie big man and the track record of rookie big men being able to be, you know, day one starting centers uh, in the modern NBA is, you know, pretty th- pretty thin across the margins. And I, I think that the rim protection issue, you know, is still at the forefront of this Dallas Mavericks team. They definitely mended uh, some of the, you know, defensive wing issues this offseason with Grant Williams and, you know, Omax Prosper. I, I think that that obviously goes without saying, but, you know, they still haven't bolstered their, bolstered their depth, you know, in totality there, you know, the way in, in which, you know, you look at some of these title contenders uh, across the board, like, you know, say the, well, not the Suns, that's a bad example, but say like the the Warriors, you know, they, they have, you know, Kaminga, Draymond Green, you know, um, Andrew Wiggins, you know, they, they just have, you know, Moses Moody, they have a, a slew of wings um, that, you know, have the ability to attack off a closeout and, you know, pull up for a jump shot uh, while being able to, you know, conversely at the other end, play lockdown defense and, and be able to guard multiple positions. And, you know, obviously the dimensionality of every single wing on the Mavericks is, you know, going to vary. Sure. You know, maybe Grant Williams is better in the short role. Uh, Olivier Maxence Prosper is better at attacking closeouts. Um, but as long as everybody is not one dimensional and, you know, I'm not saying everybody that the Mavericks have to, have a, a cast of, you know, just all-star three and D wings that are playmakers on both ends, because I mean, those are wildly unrealistic expectations to have. And that typically only happens when, you know, certain prospects are able to hit on markers, you know, coming, coming into the draft that, you know, people have labeled as swing factors or, you know, guys that could, you know, things that maybe a guy has flashed, that could, you know, change the tide of his career if he gets really good at, for instance, like Derek Lively being able to pass out of the short roll consistently, something like that, right? But I, I don't think that, you know, the Mavericks even need that, nor would it be realistic. They have, you know, plenty of guys that can definitely be serviceable in an NBA rotation at that wing spot, um, as well as guys that, you know, have to, you know, prove um, that they can hang in the NBA stomping grounds. But the, there is, you know, promise and, and credence to the fact that they could play, you know, somewhat of a role next year, you know, in, in a guy like A.J. Lawson. But in the end, you know, every single championship contending team in the modern NBA has a slew of, you know, perimeter defense and, you know, guys that in theory can guard two through four or one through five and, you know, still be competent three-point shooters at the end, at the other end and, you know, have some sort of other ulterior aspect of their offensive game. And, you know, the Mavericks definitely address that this offseason with, 
Prosper and Grant Williams, but not to the degree that some of these title contenders have, where they have four or five of those dudes. The Mavericks have like two or three of those dudes. And that's where, um, you know, the the deviation is for me. So I, I think that, you know, bolstering that wing depth as well uh, as seeing, you know, if Derek Lively is somehow, you know, able to take the momentum that he did in summer league and apply that to training camp as well as the start of the regular season, you know, become a tried and true starting center in this, you know, in the NBA and not, you know, and the defensive lapses are somehow, um, you know, just not enough to override the productivity that he may have. And, you know, when, when I say defensive lapses, you know, that's him, you know, not having being caught with his hands down um, or being late on a rotation and, you know, over fouling, you know, even on offense, conversely, um, just being able to set a screen um, and, and do it with a solid base and actually stay there for a second before slipping to the rim and com- completely negating the the whole point of the action. All stuff, all that sort of stuff is going to, you know, be hugely contingent uh, on um, elevating the Maverick ceiling this year, um, as well as his, you know, development on both ends. Now, you know, I, I think that it's unrealistic for us to uh, expect that as fans. And I think that we definitely need to, you know, hamper our expectations with all of our young players involved, because it is uh, it is a slippery slope when you start you know, placing too much stock into these young, young players. And, you know, they have these games where they underperform or, you know, they have stretches where they're, you know, very consistent and, you know, you're ready to almost forecast their future impending all-star vote. And then they have a stretch where, you know, they don't look nearly as good, you know, Uh, for example, Josh Green last year, um, you know, with his, you know, three month stretch where he looked like, the idealistic like two guard that we wanted to pair with Luca. Then Kyrie gets traded there. Justin Holiday comes into the rotation and all of a sudden Josh Green, you know, his confidence is shot. He's not playing near as well. He obviously was able to um, get back into shape towards the end of the season and, you know, really, you know, fix some of those confidence woes or whatever was, you know, limiting him at the time, whether it was just the injury or whatnot. I don't really know, but rough, you know, young players are, you know, in, in the NBA, in today's game, are uber talented. They have a ton of skill set, you know, more more so than I, I think any era that we've been a part of. They're, you know, increasingly less one-dimensional. But the developmental curve will still be something that always, you know, still exists and is still prominent, um, you know, within basketball. And I, I don't think that that changes for the Mavericks young players. So if they aren't hitting on, you know, certain markers that we have, you know, set out for them, it's not something where I'm going to be extremely hypercritical going into next season. For example, you know, if Jaden Hardy isn't really able to take that step as a playmaker and is, you know, more, more so just an off the bench score, you know, that, that could easily be something that happens. There's a lot of guys that go through sort of sophomore slumps, if you will. Right. There's a lot of, expectation dwindling and hampering that we're going to have to do over the next month or two, because, you know, seeing these guys get into training camp, seeing the preseason games overseas that a lot of Mavericks fans do not agree with because of the egregious traveling schedule that it will put on Luca after his world cup games, seeing all that sort of stuff will be vital to if this team is able, you know, to raise their ceiling with these young players performances, because the excitement is going to come through 
and fans are going to be ready to put a lot of stock into these guys. But, you know, come day one on an actual NBA floor, you know, things could definitely change. So, you know, I, I think my biggest message and a, a long-winded message in terms of what I believe the Mavericks record is going to be next year um, would be first off to, to all fans to definitely tr just try to put a, a certain, you know, cap or governor uh, on your expectations for all the young players in Dallas this year. I'm, you know, very excited with what we did in that department after having been to summer league, after, you know, having covered the draft and everything this year, it was, it was a you know great, great time. And honestly, probably some of the most you know fun I've had um, as a fan, seeing the Mavericks actually improvise through the draft and use that as their main sticking point of improvement throughout the off season. Um, it, it's something that has been pedestrian to us for years. Um, but with that, we, we have to understand the age of these guys and that they still are going to have a lot of growing pains that come with that. So if I had to predict the Mavericks record next season on a level headed note, um, where I, I think that sort of middle ground is of where they'll end up landing. Cause I do think that they improved, obviously, like I said, in previous podcasts, I, I think that this was, you know, a, a B plus off season. Nico Harrison did an excellent job, um, with what was given at his disposal. Now, obviously there are certain swing factors like getting another starting center or another wing, or perhaps if Matisse Thibault, Thibault's contract um, was, you know, not matched by Portland, that could have changed that ranking. But, you know, for right now, I'd say that they had about a B plus off season with what they were able to do. Um, I still think the Mavericks improved from next season because defense was obviously um, the elephant in the room. And, you know, while they, they addressed it, they didn't address it in the, you know, holistic sort of way that I think everybody was, you know, sort of penciling them in to do, but, you know, they, they did address it to an extent and they got better with all the moves they made that that's a given. So I, I would say that, yeah, like that 44 to 45 win range uh, is probably where they cap out um, on, on the realistic note. But I do think, you know, if Derek Lively somehow comes in and, and is at the level of a, uh, you know, a tried and true NBA rib protector and, you know, Prosper is able to come in and, you know, potentially be a starter-esque type of player or a guy um, that is within that top seven of the rotation, I, you know, or, you know, Jaden Hardy, for instance, you know, comes in and is able to, you know, evolve as a playmaker, you know, be a six man of the year type of candidate there's a variety of different things. You know, if AJ Lawson steps up in the rotation, we, we can go on all day with all these young players, but I mean, not one single, you know, of those, you know, happenstances with those young players will turn the tide of this Mavericks team, you know, winning more than like 45, 46 games, in my opinion, obviously this is all relative as you know, who, who knows exactly how the standings are going to play out next year. This is all way in advance. But if I'm, you know, having to predict, you know, what the Mavericks record is going to be, I, I don't think that they're going to get above 50 wins unless, say, three or four of those factors that I just listed in regards to the young players hitting uh, a different sort of de developmental stride than we expect end up happening. If all that is to happen, um, I think the Mavericks can win above 50 games. But I, I just think that's a big shot in the dark there. And with the parity of the Western Conference right now being at an all-time high, with it being comparable to the 2014-15 season where we had teams with winning like 47, 48 games, missing the playoffs. 
I I just am skeptical if you know this current Mavericks roster can get above that 45, 46 win echelon. I, I think that's kind of where um the, the talent kind of caps out for them, uh, to be honest, at at this stage. And that's not to say that that, that isn't a good record in the West this year. I, I think that that could easily be fifth or sixth in the West this year, given how much the parity could increase. But, I mean, across, across the board, too many teams got, you know, more than more than, you know, that's enough, more than marginally better um, this offseason with, like, the Suns. And, you know, we'll see what ends up happening with the Clippers and James Harden and all that. And it, it, it's just it, – it, I'd be doing a disservice to myself and I, I would have to, you know, attach the Homer label to myself almost by default if I said that the Mavericks were, you know, going to win more than 46 games with the current roster that they have going into training camp next year. Um, Jaron, now that we have discussed what the ceiling is of this Mavericks team, given their current roster, say that they are able to get a starting center and yet another wing off the bench or maybe another guard if they trade away Tim Hardaway Jr. and they choose to go that route instead. What do you think the ceiling of this team is? After essentially, you know, making all the moves that we've asked them to going into the offseason to become a tried and true championship contender. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, real quick, I did want to touch up back on our conversation, uh, you know, regarding this team, as you know, we currently know it, this current roster. Uh, and that's without a tried and true starting center and without uh, a little less wing depth. I, I, You know, there is a lot of swing factors, as you mentioned, there is a lot of swing factors that go into um, even perhaps a 44 win season, you know, where there's a lot of reliance on Omax Prosper to come in off the bench and be a reliable wing. Even and if he's not, you know, like a, a top absolutely. seven sort of caliber guy in the rotation. I mean, he still has to be, he still has to get minutes and, and be valuable in those, in those minutes. I mean, he's not a guy that the Mavericks can afford to, you know, put down in Frisco for the part of yeah, the Yeah, absolutely. You know? I think, you know, as I mentioned, you know, there's a lot of swing factors, that being one of them. And of course, Derek Lively. I think Derek Lively has to eventually work within the Mavs rotation. And if that doesn't happen, you know, even a little bit this year, look, I, you know, I'm just as excited as the next person, November, December, uh, to probably go watch some Legends games and see Derek Lively the second play in those games. Because I, I do, you know, presume that he probably will be uh, on that team in the early months of the season. Um, but as you know, we're, you know, ticking down and closer to playoffs, if he's not having a role on this team, this, the swing factor that I'm, I'm kind of more concerned about is if he, you know, if he isn't playing, if he doesn't have a role, um, I, I just really don't see a world in which the Mavericks, as we mentioned, get over that 46, 45 win hump. Um, if he's not within the rotation, I think he has to have a similar season to what Jane Hardy had, of course, you know, being a different player, of course, uh, uh, you know, of last year's importance. So I, I think that those are probably the swing factors that have to go into it yeah. specifically for Omax and specifically for Derek Lively. Um, but to go back to your question that you just asked, let's say the Mavericks do acquire a starting center, uh, whether it is Clint Capella or Vita Zubats, Jared Allen, whoever it is, uh, they acquire someone of importance to become that starting center and they bolster up uh, whether it's signing Kelly Oubre or signing someone um, still with that $6 million that they still have left uh, or getting someone back in a you know potential three-team deal. We don't know yet uh, what those parameters could look like, but let's say the Mavericks do bolster up both of their holes. Uh, I am with utmost in confidence. I, I really do feel confident in saying this. If the Mavericks do somehow get a starting center, I, I think that this team could potentially contend. Um, I, I think especially there's going to be 
still a reliance on Omax no matter what, even if they do get a wing. Um, but as I mentioned, you know, I think if they can get a starting center, a lot, a lot of holes in this roster get amended already. Um, you know, whether it's Clint Capella, his defensive abilities, and especially on offense, his rim running, um, you know, I, I just think that there's a lot of band-aids that are going to get ripped off on this team and they're going to be uh, healed, I guess, rather, if you're going in that sense. So I, I would look forward to, you know, over a 51 season. I'm not saying that I would be disappointed if they don't win more than 50 games if Clint Capella was added to this roster, uh, because, again, I do think that there is some time there. Um, that, you know, guys need to be worked in together, whether it's connection, whether it's chemistry uh, or just on the court time. I think that there is probably going to be a level of, you know, working in a level of time that needs to be had uh, before these guys can be 100 uh, percent comfortable together and playing on a basketball court. But even still, I think that this team ultimately becomes a 50 win, 50 plus win team, rather, uh, if they do acquire a guy like Clint Capella for all the reasons that I just mentioned. And I know, Will, you'll probably mention some more reasons. Uh, but yeah, I think that this team instantly becomes a top four team, home court advantage, all of it. Um, and they could probably compete with uh, maybe the Denver Nuggets, maybe the uh, Los Angeles Lakers or Phoenix Suns. I think that those are probably the top three teams in the West right now. Uh, I mean, there's like we can go on and on. There's so many teams this year. Uh, but I, in my opinion, those are the top three teams. But I, I think if the Mavericks somehow do acquire a starting caliber center of Clint Capella's importance I, I think that this team could compete with those guys uh in those or I could compete with Denver's could compete with LA Lakers you know whoever it is I think that this team ultimately becomes a playoff contender and as I mentioned before is competing for a home court advantage at the end of the season yeah I, I think that if the Mavericks you know good health granted I I do think that they would be in that echelon I, I think if they are able to get a starting center even if they don't get a wing they put themselves in a position to at least be top five in the West because that that's just too much of a drastic overhaul in terms of your defense. It gives uh, a mentor, you know, to lively uh, a guy that can sort of vet him up to speed and, you know, you can sort of interchange him in the starting center. I, I think it would probably, you know, I think some fans would honestly think that, you know, lively, you know, not um, starting means that, you know, he, is going to, you know, just play the whole year in the G League. Obviously, you know, Jaron and I have, you know, dispelled that. You know, we we do both think that he is talented enough to end up, you know, at least being within the rotation by the end of the year. But, I mean, you know, a, a center of his caliber, um, you know, as, as well as his measurables um, don't always translate um, right away into the NBA. And I mean, he could experience enough growing pains, like Jaron said, to where, you know, he's maybe buried in the G League for most of the year, doesn't have too much of a role. Um, you, you don't have to worry about that whatsoever if the Mavericks get a starting center. And, you know, even, and I, and I want, I'm honestly more inclined to think that Lively would get more minutes yeah. if the Mavericks had a starting center, um, which sounds counterintuitive. Um, but I think that you're able to get away with him being on the court a little more in the NBA game, see what he can offer in the NBA game with a starting center. If he's playing high value minutes um, as the lone big out there and, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, Dwight Powell or Sean Holmes would win the starting spot at that point. But, you know, given your bullpen approach to the center position and, you know, you not having a true rim protector, within that bullpen of centers, really barring Maxi and obviously lively, but 
you know, for all the defensive, uh, you know, potential mishaps and, you know, shortcomings that he could experience um, because of how raw he is, you know, coming in day one, you, you definitely just don't feel near as confident funneling, um, you know, guys, hand, you know, dynamic playmakers and ball handlers towards the rim, you know, towards a Dwight Powell or Rashawn Holmes. And, you know, if Lively's not winning in those minutes and, you know, oftentimes with rookies, we see, you know, pretty uh, blatant, you know, and egregious, you know, shortcomings when things start to do go bad, you know, it, it's not, it's not just one or two mistakes. It'll be possessions upon possessions, right? You know, you can't really get away with that as much if you're the only two other centers on or three, you know, obviously if you're playing maxi, if the only two other, you know, or two or three other big men in your rotation to fall back on at that point are going to be maxi, Dwight and Rashawn, you're, you're probably going to need to, you know, have an overt reliance on those three guys. I think, you know, with a Clint Capella taking like 30 minutes a game away from one of those guys, it definitely gives you a little bit more leniency to showcase lively, but that's just my opinion. I mean, I'm definitely not opposed to somebody who thinks that he may see the floor a lot more, you know, if Capella, you know, for instance, or Daniel Gafford um, didn't get traded here. So I, I do think that, you know, that's obviously one of the you know bigger swing factors uh, that could, you know, bode both, you know, negatively as well as positively um, to your credit and, you know, health as well. Like I, you know, mentioned at the top of the segment, but you know, overall, the Mavericks are in a extremely tough West next year, uh, a West that will not, in my opinion, be near as forgiving as last year, uh, given some of the injuries that we saw across the board. And the Mavericks will, you know, have to stay consistent, you know, from that health aspect, um, seeing, of course, a full season of Kyrie in Dallas, how many games he plays, um, obviously, at least has to be mentioned going into all of this, because, Yes, he just got a three-year, $126 million contract. But, you know, and, and I'm a firm believer in what Kyrie can bring to this team and I'm very confident um, in, in terms of how reliable he will be going forward because I think that, you know, because of obviously some of the social issues and the pandemic, you know, back in 2021, that obviously kind of diluted the perception uh, around you know his reliability because he's not ever been a guy who's injury prone or a guy that doesn't want to be there you know for his team I mean you know he, he's obviously you know dealt with injuries you know really throughout the last year or two but you know before that I, I don't think everybody you know anyone would label him a huge injury prone player he's never missed like a full season of his career due to a major injury um you know so but I would you know be negligible to obviously not mention you know, the volatility of his playing time over the last couple of years. So, you know, he, you know, while I'm confident in him being able to, you know, play 60, 65 games, at least for this Mavericks team that that could obviously change, you know, he's getting up there in age, of course, a little bit too, that, that could be a huge factor that, you know, if, if he gets injured at the first half of the season, then, you know, this Mavericks team is, you know, a, a lot less thin across the margins and, you know, their, their season could easily take a turn for the worst, you know, if, really anybody between, you know, him, Luca, and, you know, I guess then you start sort of drip feeding into the next tier of role players. Um, I mean, when we talk about Tim Hardaway Jr. and Grant Williams, you know, it, it really, if any four or five of those guys in that starting lineup or A and B tier of the Mavericks get hurt, I mean, I, I think that that could drastically turn the, the tide of this season. So there's a lot of different factors that go into, 
you know, predicting records and what have you. Um, But as the the roster currently stands, like, like Jaron and I both agreed up, agreed upon, uh, I think that you're looking about at that 44, 45 win range. And depending on how good the West is this year, um, obviously Jaron and I both think that it's going to be pretty damn good next year. Uh, you know, especially with all the guys coming back from injury and everything like that. For obvious reasons. Yeah, but, you know, it it, it could be just as bad as last year, uh, given, you know, if there are injuries that prevail, as they do every year in the NBA, and it adversely affects the West more than it does the Eastern Conference once again. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how everything turns out. But I think that the, the parity in the West is at an all-time high. You know, I, I think the Mavericks are somewhere in that – five to eight range just depending upon how good everybody else finishes right now because there are a lot of good teams this year and I'm just not as confident going into this season as I was last season but you know they could easily bolster themselves into that top four range Um, I I think definitively top five if they are able to you know get a starting center and another wing like we talked about ad nauseum throughout this podcast but you know conversely I guess the last question I posed to you Jaron if things were to go haywire for the Mavericks, you know, we're not going to forecast their impending doom to the degree of a, you know, season ending injury for like Luca or Kyrie that would just, you know, completely, completely throw the season out the window. But say like Grant Williams, you know, gets hurt halfway through that season. He's hurt, you know, a guy like of that caliber. If the Mavericks really experience a really unfortunate happenstance or event that occurs, what do you think that, you know, they're, they're, cap is you know on this you know team going into you know the offseason given you know with this current rendition of this roster you know if if one of the better role players on this team gets hurt you know kind of like what what happened with tim hardaway jr um in the uh 2022 you know or no the uh, 2021 22 (laughs) season where he got hurt halfway through the year against the warriors yeah i think you know, this is kind of a hard question to answer, but I, I could see it. Being, it depends on exactly what happens. Yeah, it depends on who, but I, too. But. Let's say it's on the, the level of, like, Grant Williams being out for the rest of the year. Yeah, and that's, you know, honestly become, in my opinion, and I think your opinion as well, uh, probably the third best player on this Mavericks team as it currently stands. Should go, re- um, go read my article at the Smoking Cuban. There we go. I was waiting for that. Yeah. Out, but, <laughs> no. Uh, about why Grant Williams um, is – Poised to become such an integral part of the Mavericks next year. I talk about some clips from an interview that he did um, with clutchpoints.com and, you know, some of his idols and how he could be, you know, how he's going to be idealistically used within the Mavericks system next year. And, you know, the different markers that could also bolster him to becoming an even better player than he was able to showcase in Boston, obviously buried you know, not not buried in the rotation, but, you know, buried behind some pretty star-studded, yeah. you know, wings there. Yeah, so so. Um, I, I just started writing over there, and I think we can say it now. Jaren is official. also I'm official. officially at <laughs> the Smoking Cuban as well. So um, we will be plugging that basically every podcast. I'm surprised we didn't mention it earlier, to be honest with you. But we are really excited about that. Um, but we'll, we'll talk more about that at the end of the podcast. But Jaren, um, of course, continue. The, the floor is mine. Yes. Uh uh, but yeah, you know, if, if there is someone of importance, say Great Williams, say Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, or even, I mean, shit, as it currently looks, you know, Rashawn Holmes or yeah. Dwight Powell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, if, they're going to play valuable yeah, minutes so. going into next year. There's there's no negating that. Yeah. Yeah, but if it is someone of that importance, I could see it being a similar season to last, where the Mavericks, 
you know, are fighting for a playoff spot, but ultimately just don't have enough of what it takes. And, you know, I don't play in maybe. Oh yeah. Or be a playing team. I I think probably that's more realistic this year. Yeah. As a nine, I I don't see. Yeah. I don't see. I I think that the Mavericks ended up in the play in, you know, largely due to the, you know, obviously the defensive holes left in that Kyrie trade with Dorian at the door. But I mean, you know, barring the unfortunate injury luck, you know, that team never really got a chance to synchronize together. I I even think if the Mavericks literally just copy and pasted the roster that they ended the season with last year and went into that roster, you know, or went into the next season with that roster, at least, you know, with Kyrie and Luca getting time and training camp together and them having a lot more increased practice and, you know, comfortability and continuity that they would be able to carry over. I think that team would at least make the plan. Uh, yeah, know, I, yeah, I would confidently agree with that. I, I just think so. that was the perfect storm of shit that happened essentially after that Dorian trade to where they just Everything didn't have enough time over. to you yeah. know, turn the tide and they got the tank dome. Yeah. Tank so, dome. Right? Tank yeah. dome yeah. Yeah. Um, but to put on my little, uh, my tinfoil hat and go on a little conspiracy here, if that absolutely does happen and it, it pretty much shit hits the fan uh, and the Mavericks do end up missing the playoffs eventually, I could see in a world where it's Jason Kidd's third season as the head coach or becoming the third season as the head coach. Oftentimes we have seen uh, if the head coach has not produced very many playoff wins or at least consistent playoff wins in that third season that, you know, he's oftentimes booted to the curb. So I can see that. Especially, you know, like related to the talent of the team. Exactly. exactly. If Jason Kidd is, you know, say it's it's mid-January and the Mavericks are like, 20 and 24 there there and could be there, there's gonna be i mean i i'm very confident with jason kidd standing in the organization so long as the team at least you know gets to 40 wins this year i, yeah. I mean because he is a, uh, you know in that mavs royalty tier that i mean god might only a few people really you know cross that echelon uh of you know complete uh allegiance from mark cuban yeah uh to where he would you know, he, he'd be over there to hook Jason up, Jason up with anything. You with know, a 22-win season and Luke and Kyrie on the roster. I think he'd yeah. still be in Dallas. But, yeah, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, he would likely probably be out the door. And, as I said, my tinfoil hat is currently on. Ty Lue is in a contract year with the L.A. Clippers, and he seems to not be happy with the L.A. Clippers. He comes to Dallas on a uh, big contract uh, and leads Luca and Kyrie to – that coveted championship, but let's get back on track here. Um, <laughs> I think that's gonna happen. <laughs> that's probably not gonna happen. This is yeah. we're in the off season. We're deep into the off season. Yeah, but, I think it's it's safe. But you know what, Jaren? I, I think that we uh, definitely were able to get out a lot more productive uh, conversation than some of these podcasts last year. They weren't. Oh, last year, yeah, they weren't we were near as ball, ball, ball. Yeah, <laughs> they 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 weren't near as joke filled. Nor nor was it. I, I think as just bullshit filled either. So these were serious <laughs> conversations that we yeah, had. Yes, <laughs> uh, yeah, but um did you have anything to to leave up on the podcast? Because we're we're gonna go more in depth into what their actual place standing wise would be and and de- and like have a full comprehensive list of like what we predict the West standings to be and where the Mavericks could be, you know, you know, based and then you know, obviously like tear out the standings and everything, but we at least wanted to get a, a podcast out where we sort of pseudo predicted the record and everything a little lighthearted version yes yeah, so a little lighthearted one that didn't require near as much research just because we're in a time crunch laziness on our part but we we like to get you guys the content so it happens yeah <laughs> um 
But, you know, if you have anything else, Jaron, I, I do have one final question for you, but I'll, I'll let you speak your two cents if you have anything else to go Honestly, I, I'm interested to hear your question. All right. right. Well, it, it's, it. it's pretty simplistic. Um, but you know, no elaboration on at the at this point in the no podcast. Okay. Um, your your whole life depends on it. Plus nineteen thousand odds. Okay. Um, I'm I'm putting all my betting money on this record happening. I'm literally like gonna go enter it verbatim into betonline.ag. Your whole entire bank account. Yes, and and, right. and place all my money on this. Um, what is the exact record that the Dallas Mavericks finish with next season? You have you know, no no elaboration points you can make afterwards. Alrighty. Little drum roll. I'm going to go with, you said no elaboration. No. Uh, 44 and 38. I was going to say the exact same thing. Oh, wow. Flip I was going to say. Great they, minds think alike. They, exact, they, they flipped the win-loss column last yeah, year. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what I, uh, I was going to say as well. Yeah, the six wins improved. Yep. That, that's improvement. That's no. really good improvement. No, that is that is very good improvement. And I think that you can go into that yeah. next season with hopeful minds and yeah. hopefully a big off season to come. That, that's good improvement if they do absolutely jack shit. Jack shit. I, but, right which, now, yeah. Now, 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 we need to preface this, Jaron, because we didn't really do our due diligence from this aspect. Um, if the Mavericks do not trade for a starting center, you know, by the start of the season and everything, do you think that that move has to come before next off season, like, or, you know, or during next off season, you know, just before the start of the 2024, 25 season, or does that move need to come, you know, within the construct of the next NBA season, like before the trade deadline? I think, uh, I think, yes, it does need to happen before next year begins or next training, next year's training camp begins. But to answer the trade deadline question, I, I think it would be in the Mavericks best interest to make that trade now or by the trade deadline, because, I think not only teams are going to know, uh, but I think within the Mavericks organization that there's going to be a sense of desperate or desperation rather um, yeah. within they, this. There is a lot more sense of desperation right now, but then last year. Yeah, then last yeah. year. Absolutely. But I think, you know, if the Mavericks don't acquire a starting center and let's say that this becomes an absolute black hole, let's say, you know, Rashawn Holmes and Dwight Powell are clearly not poised enough to start. Pass their prime. Pass their the prime. Bag. Derek Lively isn't not not what he what we thought he was, but he's just you know having Too a little raw. growing pains. Yeah, yeah. you know I, I I could view them making some desperate moves, and that's honestly what we don't need. Uh, I think the Mavericks are still making moves. They with need, they need to showcase the absolute commodity that Tim Hardaway Jr. Yes. is. This, it, is yeah. Tim Hardaway needs to have season. another big season. Yes. Uh, if he is to stay on this team, uh, start of next season. But yeah, I, I think that this you know so called center trade or starting center trade needs to happen either soon uh, or before, in my opinion, next trade deadline. Because I think if they go into the offseason, like I said, with Dwight Powell or with Rashawn Holmes starting, or possibly Derek Lively, who knows, um, that there is going to be a sense of desperation uh, within this organization. And a lot of teams are going to know that, and the asking price is going to be very, very high uh, for whoever's available at that point in the season. I think definitively it has to come before the trade deadline uh, because, you know, one-off, the trade deadline is a much more applicable and easier time to move players uh, via trade, of course, than the offseason is. You know, you see that this absolute stalemate with the whole Damian Lewis situation. They have infinite time to be able, you know, to these teams before training camp to be able to just nickel and dime, you know, players on the on their fake trade machines and, you know, see how things would go. On and the then, fans you know, yeah, on fans, <laughs> maybe they use that, but uh, you know, that they have all the time in the world to, you know, evaluate all their different options. And ultimately that could lead them to a stalemate of not knowing what to do and just wanting to 
you know, ride things out till they get to the trade deadline. I'm not saying that the Mavericks have necessarily the pressure of having to win a NBA championship this year, but with Kyrie Irving's player option in uh, the third year, you know, especially with Luca, you know, uh, approaching, you know, his his actual prime, probably within the next two to three years, I I think that they have a two-year window uh, with this sort of current roster, uh, if that makes sense. And and just in terms of like the main core of this roster staying together throughout the next two years, uh, to win a championship. And if they're not able to capitalize upon that, you know, you're either going to have to retool or somehow convince Luca to rebuild at the end of that. So, you know, I, obviously we've talked ad nauseum about, about, you know, given the championship window the Mavericks have and, you know, why they need to cash in right now. I, like I said, I, I think there's a little bit of time for interpretation and, you know, some time to see what you have with, you know, some of these two-way guys or, you know, maybe, you know, some MLE guys that they end up signing. And even if they, you know, want to go into next season without getting that starting center, bring in a lot of guys to camp, just, just see who, you know, slips through the cracks and, and, you know, just see if you can get away with not having to, you know, shift around your depth and everything and, and then still, you know, improve across the board, you know, somehow find your starting center in some sort of fashion, you know, whether it's, you know, Rashawn Holmes is competent enough to at least uh, not, you know, throw the, uh, you know, track of the season off, you know, too much, or, you know, Derek Lively is able to contribute a little bit more than we, we think, you know, if one of those two things happens, um, then, then, yeah, I think that the Mavericks will be poised to, you know, be able to make a, a, a pretty comfortable trade at the trade deadline, you know, hopefully with, you know, one of their assets having been showcased off in a positive light um, from, you know, throughout large stretches at the se- throughout the season, you know, whether it's Maxi Kleber, Tim Hardaway Jr., whoever else they wish to ship off. But there's obviously a world in which, you know, that doesn't happen and maybe some guys play worse than they we expect them to. They they get injured and the Mavericks will have to maybe even make a move before the trade de- deadline. They get a little bit desperate, uh, like Jaron said, and they, they got to expel a first-round pick just to get a starting center. You know, both of those options could could be what comes at the forefront as long as they operate with what's given to them and – they don't just, you know, automatically expel unnecessary assets. Um, but, you know, before seeing these guys and stuff like that, um, you know, then I'm cool with what they do, even if they trade for a starting center before training camp. And, you know, not a first round pick isn't gone unless it's a guy who's, you know, a game changer. Um, I'm, I'm very happy with that. The main reason that I think that the Mavericks have to make this move before the trade deadline, first, you know, second off, obviously, they need to have some sort of semblance of continuity with that group at least, you know, heading into the 2024-25 season, if they do get that starting center, at least he will have probably played in a playoff series heading into that next season with the team. Uh, you know, there's that. Um, also, you know, the fact that it at least gives you a shot in the dark probably to, to make a run if everything's Absolutely. able to come into fruition. And I, I don't think that there can necessarily be a wasted year. We can view that this year in the sort of championship window that we're in, more as a uh, lead up year to the, you know, 2024, 25 season. But that definitely does not mean that this is like last year where, you know, we're running down the stretch of the the regular season and we're in the play in territory. Oh, should we tank again? Like, no, like, you know, our, our picks going to the next, this next year definitively. And, you know, we, even if we're like the 11th seed, uh, a game out of the playoffs with three games left in the regular season, like we need to be trying to win. There's no sort of, change of direction there like there was last year that could be applicable you know despite the fact that 
we are coming off of a season that we went 38 and 44 and we are not coming off of a season in which we finished really good and you know expectations are sky high you'd almost think that this Mavericks team uh would have almost less expectations coming off of a downward you know sort of spiral last year but in my opinion it only elevates the emphasis on winning especially after the Kyrie Irving move so it'll be a really interesting uh dynamic to see but I, I think that given the pretty prevalent hole that the starting center position is for the Mavericks is, you know, more specifically, uh, you know, not having a veteran rim protector. I, I feel like, you know, it, it is enough of a hole uh, to where, especially given, you know, how, e- how much easier it will be to get that guy, um, you know, mid season when, you know, he's potentially disgruntled on a, on a team or he's underperforming, you know, I, I just think it's so much more easier to get a commodity like that mid season or at the trade de- trade deadline. And I think that, you know, the, the continuity aspect of that uh, would prove too invaluable for the Mavericks to pass up on. So yes, I, I, I do think that they need to at least get, you know, mend this, these issues that they have right now in terms of their, you know, one more backup wing, you know, whether that's through their developmental system, Matisse Stiebel or the trade deadline or, or trade, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that, I actually think I don't know if he can be traded to the Mavericks for like a whole year. Oh, is that, is that the calendar the rules. year? I, yeah. I need to look at the ramifications of that. But you know, whether it's you know getting a guy through their developmental system or you know another wing on the buyout market or you know obviously with the remaining portion of their MLE, they gotta do that as well as get a center if they hope to sniff fifty wins. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, and they have to do that before the season starts for them Absolutely. to to get there. Because even if they do at the trade deadline. Um, you know, it, it just may not be enough to, you know, swing the tide in a timely manner. It, it could definitely bolster their playoff odds. I'm not negating that, but, you know, I, I think that they got to make a trade before the calendar year turns to 2024 for a starting center um, before I'm confident seeing, saying that this team's going to sniff 50 wins. That, that I, yeah. I'm comfortable with leaving the podcast off. Uh, that I think that's I a great 1000% note. believe that. Yes. So. And, uh, you know, but 44, 38. Forty-four and thirty-eight. We'll yes. we'll give a good old handshake. Yes. Everyone's screenshot right now. Can you name two Mavericks that wore the number forty-four as well as the number thirty-eight? Oh, uh, Davis Bertans. Yes, Davis Bertans. Davis Bertans. Sean Bradley. Sean Bradley. That's a good yes, one. And, uh, and you said thirty-eight. Yes. And, prayer, and you know what? I don't know anybody with the number thirty-eight. Nate Hinton. I'm just kidding. Yes. I don't know. Oh, it's badass. It's like eighteen or something. But, I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, no, he's like ten. I could have sworn. I need to look that up after the podcast, but I don't know who 30. We're going to end the podcast on a sentimental note because we don't know anybody with the number 38 that play, has played in the Mavericks in franchise history. There was probably like literally like a player like last se- season that we're just missing. There's like, probably a, like Chris Silver. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. It may have been. Yeah. <laughs> but um, prayers out to Sean Bradley. Um, oh, yeah. Obviously, there he had an accident last year and he's been, you know, left, you know, relegated to a wheelchair. I, you know, I, I hope that he continues to you know, be a motivational influence for everybody, um, you know, sharing his story as he has done. Um, there's some articles in the Dallas Morning News that came out last year that you can read upon that, but prayers to him since he got mentioned in the podcast. Prayers up. Yes. Um, That's the first Sean Bradley mention, I think, ever on the Mainstream Maps podcast. I may have done one in a, in a solo podcast and like literally like when the whole flux of Sean Bradley Oh, uh, bicycle accident news was happening last year, but I, I honestly can't remember. It could be the first mention. Be. You know, would dare I even say the mainstream mass podcast isn't here without Sean Bradley because who knows <laughs> if Dirk is the player he is today without, without Sean, Bradley. Sean Bradley. That's the next <laughs> what if scenario. <laughs> if Dirk 
didn't have Sean Bradley on in his early years to be able to, you know, service as the, you know, lone five in that system, give the, give Dirk the ability to expand and, and, and freelance. And, yeah. And freelance as a four on offense, something that was pedestrian to the NBA game yes. at that time. Yeah. That is his yeah. <laughs> um, could, could that have changed the trajectory of Dirk Nowinski's career? Similar and, or similar Jesus. And we're just similarly. completely going to be negating individuals like late Rafe LaFrance, Eric Dampier, Dejana Jop, all the other centers that, that uh, played next to Dirk. Exactly. Area, but because they don't matter. They don't Sean matter. Bradley only Sean Bradley. And in a similar note, uh, similar to Yusuf Nurkic and Nikola Jokic in that situation in Denver. If it wasn't for uh, Nurkic's, oh, would Jokic be the player that he is today? There's there's big questions. Anyways, guys. Both um, from Serbia. Both, both from Serbia. All right. That, that, we're, done. We're, we're done. We're done. We're done. We're done. All right. We will catch you guys in the next one. We appreciate you guys joining us for a fun podcast at an the end, podcast. a lighthearted podcast, an off-season podcast, yeah. <laughs> but also a very informational podcast, at least at the start. We wanted to at least get 30 minutes of not total nonsense before we went into the total nonsense sector. So we hope you guys enjoyed it. You guys will catch us in the next one. Hopefully we will have another episode out. It's now technically August 1st, Jaren. Happy, um, happy August. Hopefully a, by August 2nd, we yeah. August 2nd or August 3rd at the absolute latest, we will have a, another episode out for you guys. We'll be much more consistent now that we have to make content out of thin air. Um, that, there was a little bit of a dry period as we had yeah. you know, mentioned uh, with nothing coming out. We were kind of just waiting and seeing if news was going to come out for us to cover and it didn't, but uh, we are, we are going to carry the horse, the horses, the boats and the logs for the rest of August. Yes, sir. So shout you, out to you, David Goggins. Yeah. Shout out to David Goggins. You guys um, stay tuned for that, of course. And, Make sure to get at us at the Smoking Cuban. I published my first article Wednesday on Grant Williams. Jaron will have his first article out here Within very soon. Week, probably. Within the next week, I will have an article hopefully posting in the next day or two that I'm about to work on after this podcast with Jaron. Bum, 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 bum. Dante Jackson. So, oh, oh, whoa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're we're we're, uh, we're really overdoing ourselves on this one, but um, yes, we are both contributors over there. We're excited for that new journey. And, you know, our ability to sort of intertwine our content over there with what we're doing over here at the podcast. We got a lot of exciting ideas that we hopefully be able to hash out on a different forum for you guys. And we both want to get into this NBA media sphere. So it's a big step for us. And we really appreciate you guys helping us with this journey, because if we didn't start this podcast a little over a year ago, then we damn sure wouldn't be writing. Nah, for that is 1000% right true. Yeah, and we are yeah. in we love you. But yeah. <laughs> not, not, not cause you know, we probably like wouldn't be able to do it, but simply cause like we definitely like wouldn't be passionate about it. We wouldn't have been it. as passionate and would not have had the motivation to no, do it. Not at all. Yeah. I give yeah. us applause and a, a round of applause because I feel like we've come a long way in a year and we have, yes. uh, I mean, look, uh, you know, we aren't super legit yet, but we are on our way to becoming legit yes. and credentialed. So yes. and uh, this, year, this year, this last year for the mainstream mass podcast, has not come without um, lots of negatives, uh, lots of um, hardships behind the scenes that you guys have not seen. So we are, uh, you know, both still have real lives behind this. Um, our our feeble 20-year-old selves are definitely not promised anything in this harsh reality that is yes. the DFW Metroplex. So we are we are trying to counter on a daily basis. We may set up a GoFundMe later. We may set up a GoFundMe. But, but that they, labeled, yes. labeled, not Road to Glory road to credentialed That's no no we'd, we'd have to call it like um 
the time is now. The or something like that. Yeah, like, playoffs. Yeah, like a playoff slogan. <laughs> oh, something cool like that. But yeah, anyways, you can catch all our socials. Um, you know, literally on Twitter, just literally go to our Twitter at mainstream two one four, and you can find both of our socials in the bio there. You can find Jaren's personal Twitter at, at Jaren Mavericks. Mavericks. You can find mine at Will Mill J. I need. To, I'm gonna start actually posting on my yes, um uh, up the social on my media regular account. social media Twitter, and not just strictly the podcast one. Now that I'm writing and making articles, I gotta retweet that stuff. Hopefully, get more clicks. It's all about the money. Oh, yes, sir. I'm, <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, but uh, anyways, um, you know, obviously for for that reason, so make sure you guys go overhead and you know follow us on those platforms if you haven't already. I, I guess it's not even Twitter anymore. It's X, Jaren. I got to update this. Yeah, we got to update this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, geez. We're behind the curve too hard. This is this is just getting bad. We're having way too many realizations at the end of this podcast. Um, yeah, so make sure to go do that. Follow us on X. Um, um, yeah, and follow, you know, our, our account, Mainstream214, because it obviously got hacked a couple months ago for you, those of you guys that don't know. And we're still in the process of regaining um, we're know, our, our prime followers. 33% of the way there. We are 33% of the way there. Just as the Mavericks are 33% of the way to a championship. Loading in progress. Yes. Dot, dot, dot. And the other 33%, you know, comes with a wing. And then the other 33% comes with a center. That's it. Simple That's math it. right there. <laughs> that is simple math. Uh, all right. But uh, yeah, you guys can follow all our Twitters over there. Also, make sure, of course, to follow the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Where this follow, subscribe, hit that button, turn on the post notifications. So you guys can stay tuned whenever we get podcasts out. Um, if you are passionate about listening to these, we would really appreciate that. Um, and, and make sure to give us a review if you uh, do enjoy our content and want to say something uh, appreciative or even if it's negative feedback, we like all of it. Um, and lastly, make sure to get us on YouTube. Shout out to the YouTube gang. Throw up the X. Throw up that X. Throw up the X because YouTube is the real X platform, Darren. Not YouTube Twitter. is the real X platform. Yes. We're moving rocks, y'all. We're moving rocks. Uh, you guys don't even know what we're up to behind the scenes. But anyway, <laughs> I'm stuck. Uh, but uh Anyways, uh, yeah, make sure to follow us over there. Like, comment, and subscribe at the Mainstream Mouse Podcast on YouTube. Comment down below for this episode. Who is goofier between me and Jaren? A little bit <laughs> on a lighthearted note. Who uh, who made you laugh more in this episode, Jaren? I, I think the uh, I think the odds right now are are, uh, are plus two fifty. Will uh, plus, you know maybe like minus one seventy five, Jaren. <laughs> You know, you, you just seemed like you had a little bit more life and energy. I, I had a, a little bit more life and energy. I'll do in part two. Uh, I don't know if I can say this. I'll I'll just show. Oh, it. we gotta mark that out. We gotta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we can't showcase that. We may be getting more sponsors soon, guys. But um, anyways, uh, yes, energy drinks definitely helped Darren uh, counter his uh, his his tiredness because I, I was experiencing some at the start of this podcast, and luckily I was able to prevail through it at the end of the podcast in the same vein that. Derek Lively the second is going to prevail through his um you know his his, <laughs> his woes and his confidence and and the potential shortcomings he could experience on the defensive end at the start of the 2023-2024 NBA season by yeah. the end of it he will prevail just like I did in this podcast to becoming the Mavericks starting center so with uh with a, that great just you know point of emphasis Jaron I I think that we don't we haven't left out anything else on the I, table. I really don't think we've left anything <laughs> else on the table. So. For, for once. Yeah, so. <laughs> we will catch you guys in the next one. Mainstream Mass signing out. Bye-bye.